right. Episode seven, Lane One Talk Show up and running here. How are we doing today, Mark? We're doing good, Phil. Happy Friday. Happy, happy Friday. Happy, happy to be done with the week. Happy to be done with the week. Any uh, any updates? How are we doing this week? How's training? Training has been going best that it's ever been. I'm I hate saying that just because I feel like I'm I'm like jinxing myself, but I've been getting asked that a lot lately. And for me, it's it's been a good about like 12 weeks that I've been healthy and training at full speed. Um, my runs are coming super easy to me. The workouts are coming super easy to me. I had my, like my first hero workout of of um, of my winter build. Yeah, I saw that. Well, what, well, what? My workout was eight by thousand starting at 10k pace finishing at 5k pace and started that at 254 which is about 69 points we hit a, i think um my first lap literally in the first 100 i hit a 15 and that was the difference between <laughs> running 254 and uh 255 that i needed to hit yeah. so I just run out a little quick through the first 100 and then finished my last one in about 242 had sealess take me through 800 about 209 and um ran like a 32 point to get a 242 wow. like 242 so super good workout and yeah. i think i'm more happy with how i felt during that but yeah. but yeah how are things going for you man how you how you been doing oh man it's it's been uh it's been a tough recovery i've been trying to run it's just the legs are the legs feel super dead um just four mile runs just max heart rate i just feel like yeah, but uh, yeah i'm just recovering you know i'm trying to get on the elliptical i'm cross training so i'm trying to build back slowly the marathon uh, three weeks ago took a lot out of me. Um, and that just kind of goes back to just not, you know, having at, at the, the 20 mile long runs and the 18 mile tempos and things like that. It really does prepare your body for that beating. Um, midweek long runs, the, all those things really, in addition to providing fitness and performance gains, it also uh, strengthens your body for that duration of time. So you know, I, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a long, a longer recovery than I'd probably like, but it's, it's coming along. It's coming yeah, along. My favorite was looking at your Strava and seeing uh four miles at like eight forty three average. And I texted you, I was like, were you actually trying on that? Or were you just trotting? And then I like peeked a little deeper at your data and it was like heart rate one fifty one. Yes. I was like, oh dude, you're going hard. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I run like that. I don't know what one, one twenty eight, one thirty one. Like if you're, yeah. if you're in shape, like, seven you know seven minute pace eight minute pace yeah i was 840 pace just threshold just just blasting the heart rate out just my watch was exploding yeah um but yeah it's a process it's it's coming along but um every run's a little bit better you know just getting rehab getting getting the pt getting massages getting the uh air compression leg sleeves yeah trying to do what i can yeah <sighs> Um, but yeah, so we'll go ahead and get into a little bit of news, um, in the world of running track and field and, uh, starting off with some tragic news out of Kenya, uh, world record holder in the marathon, Kelvin Kiptum and his coach, uh, Gervais, um, hockey, Zimana, uh, were, were tragically killed in a car accident on the evening of, uh, February 11th, um, in Kenya and, you know, our, our, uh, deepest condolences to, to Kelvin and his, and his coach, he was only 24 years old. He was a certain, he was a rising star. Um, like I said, he ran two hours flat, 35 seconds in the marathon 
here in a, in the United States in in uh, in Chicago. So, um, you know, a very very tragic. I you know, hearts go out to his family, his family, his friends, the fa- the friends and family of the coach, training partners, that sort of thing. It's you know, it it, it does hit home when these sort of things happen. Um, and you know. I, I, I guess, you know, we can all as Americans be, be grateful that, that, you know, we had Kelvin uh, here in the U S for his, for his world record. And we got to know him a little bit more. Yeah. I think what is really tragic about that is uh, things don't really seem real until they penetrate your bubble. Right. Right. It's kind of like it, like it, it was shocking because you don't expect something like that to happen. Like the guy's young. He just set a world record. Right. And his name in a, in a rest in peace post grayed black and white on Instagram that just didn't look right. And Aaron Potts sent it to me like the minute it was posted. And to me, I was just like, Whoa, like that's not real. And you're looking at the forms and it's like, dude, that can't be real. And it penetrates your bubble because that's so close to home in the sense of he Mm. was going to, what probably a a coming home from practice, got a car accident. He was probably something along those lines. And it's like, that could happen to anybody. Yeah. And not to get too stoic, but it's like life is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It can be taken from you in an instant. And it's usually circumstances like that. Like the dude had a bright future. The dude had the dude was on top of the world and it was all taken from him in that moment. So I think it just goes out to say anybody listening here, mm-hmm. text your mom, text your parents, like yeah. text your loved ones. Just let them know that you're doing okay or let them know how you feel about them. Like I think those are just times to reflect because yep. it's, waking up the next morning is never guaranteed. It's never guaranteed, never guaranteed. And, and, um, you know, learning about him, he, he had some crazy training, right? He was like 300 miles or 300 kilometers a week, something like that. Yeah. Um, I think he was about 180 miles a week, 180 miles a week. And he ran his, I think he ran his half marathon. Didn't he break? Didn't he go subs his uh, marathon? He ran sub 60, the second half, right? He was like, yeah. he, and, and, and at that level, isn't it almost like 90, five percent are all positive splits for, for you know for those one 201 202 attempts yeah like i think um, when Kipchoge had the world record right before him he came through like 59 50 yeah and then yeah positive splitted yeah so yes uh you know it's it's a good time for reflection and again our our uh, uh biggest condolences to to kiptum and his and his coach um all right so uh, some other news um getting into some of the indoor uh, we had the Milrose games um over super bowl weekend we had the wanamaker mile uh yarid uh ran a 347 uh out out besting uh out besting besting uh, hobbs kessler for uh 348 yeah so, that was that was geared up as a world record attempt yeah what and, what uh, what is the world record is 45 it's no, nah, it's like 4701. Oh. So he's, he's pretty close. But when you're in the mile, that one second is honestly a big deal because at, at that pace, they're running 28 O's or right about, right about that. I think they're right about at um, 28 seconds per 200. So it's, so that gear shift, once you're running that fast, it is a big deal to get down to 27 point yeah. to get down to 26 point. And um, yeah, I think that was, I think that was more of a statement race for hot right than it was for yard in my opinion that's yeah that that he's 20 hops kessler is no he's um is he 20 yeah he's 20 about to be 21 right so super young 
Yeah, that that was a statement race, man. He definitely said that I'm establishing myself as one of the better middle distance runners in this country, and I'm you know I'm I'm a contender for the team this year. Yeah, um, and I, before we uh, gloss over that, he did also he had a very impressive race at New Balance Games where he ran three thirty three and like ran away from the field, and that was a pretty that was a really good field. Right, good guys in there. Jake Whiteman was in there. Our boy Craig Angles was in there. Vincent Chiotti, who they're all really good runners. And the dude ran away from the field and put on a pretty good gap. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, he's in good form right now and he's in good form right now. And, uh, also at Milrose, we had a great showdown, uh, between, uh, Josh Kerr defending, um, outdoor world champion, in the 1500 in the two mile he ran, he set a world record running eight flat point six, seven, um, gapping the rest of the field. Um, Grant Fisher was second in 803 and setting the American record. Cole Hawker came up in third, also beating the American record in 805. What are your yeah. thoughts on that race? Oh my man, that one's hard. That one that one was hard to fathom. When right. I saw it happen, I wasn't looking to see the results just yet because I was uh it was a workout day for me. So I was waiting to, or a long run day for me, I was waiting to get home to watch Milrose games. Mm -hmm. And I think like five people sent me Josh Kerr running eight flat. And what blows my mind about that is he called his shot back in like November. He said back in November, I'm going to get that two mile world record. And just to put some context behind it, the previous two guys to have the world record in that two mile were Kenanisa Bekele at 804 and then Mo Farah at 8.03. And those are, in my opinion, one and two all time. Yeah. And we can get into the GOAT debate in a later episode because I have some strong feelings about that. Yeah, In my opinion, they're one and two, and Kerr beat that by three seconds on a notoriously slow track. Yeah, yeah. That was Milrose games, man. That's, yeah. that's that, is not, that is not known for being boosted. You know, that's that's the the boards, right? They call that the boards. Isn't it uh, Lagat the chairman of the boards when it comes to uh, the Wanamaker mile? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think he won it like five or six times. Something ridiculous. But yeah, what's crazy, uh, too, is Grant missed the world record by like point two. Yeah, that's I mean, these guys are just that's incredible. That's incredible. He so Grant was just off. Um, and then Cole Hawker was under the AR as well. Yeah, um, and so he was he, disappointed with his race. Yeah, it's yeah that that's yeah those that those times are unreal. And then and then shortly after that race, um, I I uh, Jakob had some comments about it, the memes that everybody's already seen. He said that he would have won that race blindfolded. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting about that comment is they teed him up in the sense of the reporter says, "Yeah, you think you would have beat him?" And he was like, "Oh, definitely." Like I ran the time I ran outdoor and then he's like, you think you would have beat him blindfolded? And he said, yeah, for sure. So he didn't really say I would have beat that guy blindfolded. They teed him up. Oh, they, okay. They him, you think you would have beat him blindfolded? Yeah. And he said, for sure. Like, you're not going to say, I don't know about blindfolded. You're, but right. he played, he played along with it. But one thing I do want to ask you, Phil, Josh Kerr running eight flat in the two mile indoor. Yeah. Should Jakob be worried right now? Because Jakob's been hurt. He hasn't gone to altitude yet. He's been dealing with an on and off Achilles issue since his honeymoon in the Maldives. Should should him seeing this eight flat really worry him? Because 
What makes Jakob special is the fact that he's stronger than the field. Right. But everyone in the field is closing the gap in strength. So is is an eight flat scary? Should that be scary for him? I I would be. I would be. But you know, Jakob has gone on record saying things like, "I don't spend much calories on this sort of thing." You know, he has said things like that. So I, but I mean, if I was Jakob, I would be like, okay, Kerr's fit, you know, uh, Hawker's fit. You know, these guys are, are, you know, Yared moving up to the 3K at US Indoor. He's fit as well. Like, but specifically about Kerr, yes, I think that, that Kerr's running fiery right now. I think he's, he's gonna, he's going into world indoors and his home country of Scotland uh, with a ton of, um, with a ton of patriotism, you know, he's a, he's a proud, um, he's a proud Scotsman, you know? And, um, you know, I think that momentum is going to carry him into the spring outdoor season. And I absolutely would be worried if I was Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Um, and looking at their, um, looking at the past few years, Kerr in, uh, 2021 in Tokyo, he was third in the 1500. He was fifth in Eugene, and then he was uh, in 22 and 23, he was first. Jakob was first in 21 at the world at uh, the Olympics. He was second in Eugene to Jake Whiteman, fellow Scotsman, uh, teammate to Josh Kerr. And he was also second to Josh Kerr in the uh, this past year in Budapest in the 1500. So, I mean, it's kind of like the the score is evening up here. I mean, it's definitely weighted in Jakob's favor, especially yeah. given the fact that he has had a lot of success at the 5,000 meter distance as well. And he has had the world record outdoor um, in the two miles. So I still think the, the you know, Jakob has the edge. He has the performances to date. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would consider Kerr the underdog. Um, but, I, you know, Kerr is just running downhill right now, man. Like, the energy and the vibe literally for a half marathon. Yeah. He ran downhill literally yeah. for a half marathon. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost feel like with this like noise, like between the two of them, it's almost like our, our, our Americans, right. You know, yard yeah. Hawker Hobbs. I think, you know, they're going to, they could like sneak in there, you know, they could, they could sneak in there for a medal. Um, yeah. spe- um, so yeah, that, uh, Milrose is exciting. One thing I, before we go off of Milrose, one question I have for you, would you rather win the Wanamaker mile or the Bowerman mile at Prefontaine? Oh, I might have to say the Wanamaker mile. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, Milrose, in my opinion, should really be the, uh, the U S championships. Like if they can put a label on it, I think, I think that energy, the way that stadium is set up where the fans are on the upper deck, and the runners are on the track. There's people lined up track side. I think the energy and the kind of that whole environment and the way they have the trophy with the name engraved, like I feel for me personally, that is a bucket list race. Yeah. I would absolutely love to be a part of. I don't foresee myself ever racing in Milrose. I don't ever think I'll get there, but that is a race where, I think is is a fantastic feeling. I mean, the thing that comes with the Bowerman Mile as well is you're probably going to run something stupid fast if you mm-hmm. win the Bowerman Mile. But that's the only pride, in my opinion, that comes with it. Or if it was the Diamond League Final like it was this last year, but those are a couple anomalies. But 
I think if it comes down to it, I think getting your name engraved on that trophy and some and a race that matters to Americans, to American distance runners, I don't know that you can probably tell me three years ago who won the Bowerman Mile, but you can probably go down the list of who right. won the Wanamaker Mile just because it's been a big deal. It's something everybody talks about. Like I think even Nick Willis, who's an who's a silver medalist, has flat out been been going to the Wanamaker Mile trying to get a win, but he was never able to get a win. Yeah, it's it's definitely has it. Uh, it's steeped in tradition. Just the the suits, yeah. the outfits, the officials. Right. It's it has that like it has that like game seven NBA champs vibe to it, right? Because it's indoor. Yeah. It's like track and field meets NBA finals, right? Um, yeah. It's like you remember remember the uh, NBA playoffs when it was when they were playing Kanye Amazing. Yeah, that was uh, back. Shoot. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was like maybe that was Kobe era, I think. Yeah, um, like I I want to say that was Lakers Celtics. Yeah, that was I just remember that 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 the epic like uh music they had in between. Anyway, that's what Mer- that's what the Wanamaker mile reminds me of is is uh is is that you know it's amazing, you know, witness witness greatness. Remember that? Yeah, what what would you pick? Um that's a tough one. I I might go in the direction of Bowerman. You might you go know, Bowerman. I might go Bowerman just like, you know, because I grew up in the Alan Webb era. I grew up in the Steve Magnus, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, you know, that that it's just, you know, Hayward, Hayward magic. Um, especially now that it's it's gotten, you know, more uh, attention with uh with the Diamond League and hosting yeah. worlds and stuff like that. It's just it just seems like it's another level of like, spe- like it's just to even get in that race. Last place, last place in the Bowerman miles, like what, like three fifty five, yeah, yeah three fifty five, and like remember the El Garouge days, and like you know, it, it's just like it just it seemed like a, a, a an Olympic final almost sometimes. I, so I, I I I would probably go in, go. uh with the Bowerman mile, but it's, it's really close, man. They're both special. I mean, these are fun conversations, right? Yeah. You know, these, these are fun conversations. And I was like, you know, when I was looking at the results, I was like, man, Bowerman mile or Wanamaker mile. I think it's close. Um, and then going on to us indoor, we had some great performances, men's 1500, uh, Cole Hawker took the win three thirty seven. Five well, Cole, uh, not Cole. That was Cole Hawker, but um, second place was Hobbs Kessler in three thirty eight. Mark, your thoughts on that race? I thought that was a huge statement race from yep. Cole Hawker. Yep. For me, Cole Hawker, I think has a legitimate chance to win World Indoors in the fifteen. Yeah. Based off who's showing up in the field, there's going to be mm-hmm. some really good guys. But Cole Hawker looked strong. He looked fast. Right. He looked smart. Like, um, not to glaze on him too much, but like he didn't even kick fully. Right. He went with 200 to go, gapped the field, ran a 26 low, and the dude looked like he still had some left in the tank and beat everybody convincingly. He did. And I know like, you know, the times, you know, 337.5 to 338.7, that time doesn't seem that, but visually indoors, that's a gap. Yeah, that is a gap. And they're at altitude too. So the effort is much higher. I think the NCAA conversion would give them like a 334 yeah. <laughs> or yep. something like that or 333. But 
being able to kick that fast off of that pace is something that's super impressive. And that's something he's going to need to be able to do because keep in mind, something about Cole Hawker is people forget he has a 1307 5k PB or like 1308, something like that. He ran it in a time trial at Peyton Jordan. He now has an 805 two mile. Yep. He ran 330 last year off of, he started training in April and then went to worlds and ran 330. Like, he is somebody I think will challenge Nagoose, and I mm-hmm. think he will beat Nagoose outdoor just based off of how he looks now. Again, it's easy to say that now because we're in February. But if I had to, if I'm if I'm a gambling man and I had to bet, I'm I'm putting a lot a lot of my chips on Cole Hawker right now. I agree. I'm with you. I'm in, I'm also drinking the Cole Hawker Kool Aid. I and for all the reasons you just mentioned, in addition to, I you know. I, I like the way he races. I, I think he, yeah. he races gritty. He he is smart with his tactics and his positioning. And, you know, um, he, he kind of, his tactics and his and his execution kind of give me Leo vibes, you know? Yeah, Leo, you know, yeah. you know Leo was super gritty and was always in the mix, like 100 meters to go. You know, you never wanted to be around Leo. And, you know, obviously Leo has a, you know, has the silver medal from tw- uh, 2012 London, yeah. you know, so, you know, uh, Cole does have some work to, to meet that uh, comparison, but the way they race, the execution is, uh, you know, I get, I get some Leo vibes from Cole, um, but yeah, I I'm with you on that. I think, I think Hawker does have uh, some, some big potential in the next, next Olympic cycle. Yeah. Um, and, and then the win. I want to touch on Kessler real quick. Yes. Kessler pisses me the hell off the way he races. (laughs) And I'm going to say that flat out just because he almost got nipped at the line by Henry Wynn. Shout out, shout out Henry Wynn. He was a Celis's college teammate. Oh, nice. And also it's funny because his name reminds me of Drake's alter ego from his gambling site, the Anita Max Wynn. So every time I see Henry Wynn, I think of that. But Kessler has this tendency of not running through the line. And I wanted to call that out because he almost got nipped by both Henry Wynn and yep. Cooper here for his spot. And you can see the second he crossed the line, he looked to his right and dropped the big F bomb. Cause I think he yep. thought he got passed. So it's like, dude, you need to run through the line. You got beat. Yeah. But he also did something similar in um, 2020, 2023 for the U S champs coming down the home stretch. He saw himself getting passed and saw himself out of the team. And he just shut it down, 50 to go. Shut it down, 40 to go. It's like, dude, have some heart. Yep. <laughs> Run through just because you Run didn't through. win doesn't mean you quit. Yeah. And that's something that, he again, he's 20 years old. He didn't go through the NCAA system, so that's something that he's still having to learn. Right. You you really like having to go through, you know, conference meets and rounds and regionals. And, yeah, you you learn a lot of that. So yeah, he's learning a lot of those like soft skills now as yeah. a pro as a professional. Yeah. Um, um, and I I don't know. I mean, Hobson not run a super clean race at US. He did you know? not. He was too. I saw some kid comment on a post, and I actually thought it was real, in the sense of he said Hawker was focused on the dub, Hobbs was focused on Hawker. And that's what the race looked like. He yep. literally just waited for Cole to make his move and just sat behind him waiting. And it turned into physicality. He even uh, 
He even uh, I, I thought Craig should have protested, but he he threw Craig off going in with like 600 to go and mm-hmm. like shouldered him. I was like, Craig, you should have protested. Get him DQ'd, bro. <laughs> Get him off that world team. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he didn't run super clean. He ran out in lane two. He was throwing some aggressive moves. Yeah. And this isn't me slandering Hobbs Kessler. Just dude, stop with those. <laughs> yeah. Stop with that, man. Like you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. I want to see you on an on a on a uh, I want to see you on an Olympic team. <laughs> yeah. And I think and I think the encouraging part was, you know, I think he would probably admit that he didn't execute well, right? And he still yeah. made the team. So it was like, you know, um, you know, you know, when I told you Joe Rubio told me like, you know, for the build up to Houston, you know, we're gonna get you fit enough to make to get the standard on a bad day. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that, that, I think that applies to a lot of different situations, you know, obviously yeah. Kessler is in three forty eight mile shape. Yeah. Um, so he still squeezed out um, a second place finish given a subpar day. So that's, that's, yeah. that's pretty encouraging for him. And I think it, it makes the criticism a little lighter, right? Cause you still made yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's being picky end of day. He made the team. But this is like, yo, we see your potential. We see that you could be winning titles. We see that you should be up there with Hawker or yeah. contending shoulder to shoulder. These are just minor things where it's like, okay, picking the spec from someone's eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, excited for what's next for those guys in the women's race. Uh, Nikki Hilt uh, won in 408. And Katie Mackey was second. I think were they the only two Emily, with the world? Emily Mackay. Oh, Emily Mackay. I'm sorry, yeah. Emily Mackay. Sorry. Um, what was your question? Uh, I th- were they the only two with the world standard? Um, well, we had a lot of women like not show up. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is like we didn't have you know like um, Ellie Saint Pierre. She she stuck to the three k. Yeah. We didn't see Corey McGee in there. We didn't see a couple girls that were on the team. Right. But, and that's not to take away from from the girls. I mean, Nikki Hiltz is reigning American champion. Yeah. And she looked good. Yeah. Or they looked good. I, I apologize. Um, I understand Nikki Hiltz verifies as a they them. So gonna respect that and try to stick to that. But Nikki Hiltz looked good. Yep. And they honestly were just chilling the whole time. Yep. And then kicked super hard and looked super smooth and came away with an easy win. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a, that was, you know, Nikki never fails to perform, you know, in impressive fashion. And I was uh, really impressed with their race there. Um, And then in the 3000, we had Yared moving up to the 3k. (laughs) (laughs) In the 3k, you had Yard moving up. Allow myself to introduce myself. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in the 3K, we had Yared moving up. Um, and he he ran well. You know, I think he he did what exactly kind of what we all thought he would. Um, yeah. you know, and and you know, hey, shout out to to Allen Hacker for for putting it up putting, putting a good fight, you know. He, hey, Hokanaz Elite, baby. Hokanaz Elite, you know, he didn't give up. He didn't, you know, he he was like, you, you know, Yard, you gotta still beat me, you gotta still come out here and race. Yeah, he took the lead and was getting passed, and he came back super strong. Yeah, yeah, he looked good. Um, you know, good people. He beat some really good people. You know, I think uh, Hacker's pretty young, right? He's only a couple years out of high school, college. 
Yeah, but the thing about Olin Hacker, I think he graduated when he was 25. I'm not oh. exaggerating. Like oh, okay. 24, 25, he had the COVID years. But that's not to take away from – he was an NCAA champ His when he was like 24. I, I know they gave him a nickname like Old Man Hacker. But um, he was an NCAA champ. He ran 13.08 at BU when I yeah. was there. He uh, He's blue blood, bro. Yeah, his dad – I think was an NCAA champ as well. Right. Or a footlocker champ. Olin Hacker was like fourth at footlocker himself or third at footlocker. Yeah. The dude is a blue chip talent. Went to Wisco, came on a little bit slower, I guess you can call it, but he still was NCAA champ. But what I do want to shout out to is that Nazi Elite coach is doing a pretty damn good job, man. He has a sub 13. Mm-hmm. He has Wesley Kip to getting second at Houston for a second year in a row. Hacker made a team and he, we can confirm he did, he did post on Instagram that he's on the team. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. I saw that he didn't have the the standard, but he, they, he did has, he has a ranking then. Yeah. I think, okay. I think he got it on ranking, but he posted on Instagram that he got in. That's big. Yeah. That's big. Shout out. Um, shout out Nazalit. Now, um, the, the uh, South African will, Sh- how do you say his name? Will shot? Uh, will, I think it's wild scoot. Wild scoot. Yeah, he he's he's Northern Arizona. Yeah, he's a uh, Nazi lead as okay. well. Twelve fifty six, man. Oh, okay, okay. I, I I know I I know what he ran, but I wasn't I wasn't sure if he was Naz or if he was a Hoka like you know just like solo yeah, athlete sponsored. No, he's Nazi lead too. Okay. But um, and not to take away from Yard's race, Yard was the heavy favorite. He's the indoor American right. record holder in the three K. Something to remember. He's run seven twenty eight. He's going to go to Worlds, and he's going to compete against Kerr. He's going to compete against, Sal. I think, Salomon Bregas in that race, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Germa Lachema, the the world record holder in the 3K, is mm-hmm. in that race as well. So that's going to be an interesting race at in at World Indoors. Who do you got? Who who was the uh, first Ethiopian you mentioned? Uh, Salomon Brega. He's the yes. reigning Olympic t- Olympian 10K champion. Yeah. Olympic 10K yeah. champion. Um, so you got you 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 have the whole map here, right? You have you have 10K guy guys <laughs> yeah. coming down, right? Yeah. And then you have you have defending world champion world um, defending world champion Josh Kirk moving up. But is he really moving up if he has the world record in the two mile? You know what I mean? It's well, it, it, you have a 3K world record holder in this race too. Oh, uh, and that is who? Uh, Gamma yep. Oh, the, yeah, okay, okay. The Ethiopian, He's right, right. Be in that race too. And um, Yared is the NCAA. He's American record holder. American record. Oh my goodness! So you have like you have like literally the um, the um, Mount Rushmore of the indoor three k. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or two mile in this race, right? Yeah, the world record holder, the American record holder, and the um, world record holder in the two mile. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, And I think, um, is Brega, Brega might be the defending world indoor 3K champ. Oh, geez. I don't know, man. I think, I think the favorite has to be Josh Kerr. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Josh Kerr. I got to go Josh Kerr too, just for the sole reason. So here's the significance of that eight flat, in my opinion. The man closed in a 56 to run eight flat. 
And that's what, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about this so many times on long runs and cooldowns and stuff about how the trend has been kicking off a fast pace. Yeah. You have to be able to kick off a psychotic pace. This is not just like, hey, let's hold hands around, run 68s, and then, you know, fire off of of a 51. You have to run a 55, 56 after going nuts. Well, that's what like made Mo Farah special. So Mo Farah in 2015, very, very exciting race for the last, about last 1K. But the 2015 World Championship, if anybody wants to go back and watch it, there's a Kenyan by the name of Caleb Ndiku. You know how upset I would be if I ran a 147 last 800 in a 5K and lost? Because that's what happened to Caleb Ndiku. He threw a 55 penultimate lap. And Mofar closed in a 52. He covered that 55 and closed in a 52. Being able to kick off of fast paces is what created the sitting kick. Because back then, Kenanisa Bekele would go from a ways out. You had guys like, um, in the same race, you had Kipchoge, Bekele, and Hisham al So you had to make the race fast. And most of the time, those races were run sub-13. But they're still closing in 53 off that pace. Mm-hmm. And then Mo. Started closing down his last kilometers in about 221. Mm-hmm. Way to go. So what was the strategy? Okay, well, he's closing in a 53-52 off of previously <laughs> running a 55. So what do we do? Well, I have to be able to run a 53-52 as well. So then it started the boring 5Ks where they're 1 in 13-40 because everybody else was like, I, I can't outrun him. The guy's the world leader in the 5K with the 12-52. So I can't outpace him. So what are we going to do? So it created the whole sitting kick era. Right. Now you got guys closing the 1500 when they're running 330 pace for the race or 331 pace. And they're now closing off in 53s off of that. I think Kerr's last 200 out at worlds in lane two, in lane two to make that clear. He whipped out wide. I think he was like a 26 flat or like a 26 one in lane two. Yeah. That's 210 meters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and what did he, what they, they ran 328? 329. 329. Yes. And, yeah. and in uh, 2015 world champs, Mo Farah, when he closed at 147, what did he, what did he run that day? Uh, it was like 1341. 13, oh, okay. So it was, well, it's slow. That's why I'm yeah. saying it bred the sitting kick era. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yep. Yeah. Because you can't outrun him. He's closing his last case in 221. And I feel like that era was it still uh, Nike uh, Oregon Project? Yeah, Oregon yeah, Project. So, I don't think shut down till like 2019. Yeah, so I feel like that group was targeting specifically that style of racing at that time too. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so I mean, was it? Did you? I think you said this last episode. Was it 2016 when Galen ran the fastest last lap of the 10? No, that was uh 2012. 2012. He had, okay. He had a faster closing split than Mo Farah. But right. because Mo had about a five liter, five meter lead on him, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he that that's the difference between gold and silver. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you know, to to to, I think I think Josh Kerr's got it. I think he can kick off a slow pace and a fast pace. I think he's got yeah. good positioning. Um, but that's gonna be exciting. That's next week. Um, so we'll have a recap by the next pod. Um, and then Ellie St. Pierre is back from, you know, she had her, uh, she had a child. She gave birth to a child, I think nine or eight or nine months ago. Yeah. And she hasn't skipped a beat. 
she she just was a machine out there it was it was like she won big i, I want to say it was eight or nine seconds yeah um, didn't she also set the american record at milrose in the mile oh that sounds that sounds familiar yeah um, i believe she she set the american record in the mile um the mile was i can pull that up very quickly but yes uh ellie looked great she looked poised um yeah, uh, national NR. Yeah, NR national is, is a national record, right? Yep, two uh, four sixteen four. Jeez, so dude, that's so dumb. So she's in a similar she's in a similar position as Yared, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, maybe even a little slightly a ahead of Yared because he she got the national record. Yeah, but um, something something to keep in mind too with these with this women women's three K man. Like Jessica Hull just ran eight twenty four, and you have a lot of the Ethiopian girls right there with her. Also, I think at Milrose, the girl who won the two mile got DQ'd because, and it was like a national record for Ethiopia, but it was because she was on the waterfall lane on the outside mm -hmm. and she cut in. Oh, I saw that. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, but she she won that race in a Ethiopian record. So there's a lot of Ethiopians up there. So she's gonna have her work cut out for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that was another race where maybe not a lot of the, um, not a, not a ton, like the three K at USA's, uh, like the, like, like the 15, I don't know that a lot of our top, um, you know, Olympic hopefuls were, were, were doing it this time in the three K. Yeah. Well, you got to give the shout out to Josette Andrews. Oh yeah. 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 He, yeah. He just ran like 1441 indoor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Stupid. Yeah. Something really, really fast. So she's, yeah, she's in good form. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to, yeah, that's going to be a good race uh, to tune in. You know, Ellie's going to have her, her, uh, definitely some good competition there. Um, and then, uh, B the BU DMR challenge, <laughs> yeah. uh, Grant Fisher barely misses the American record in the indoor 5k running 1251.84, just 0 0.15 off the, uh, American record. Um, and he didn't, I mean, he won big, but there was some very fast times in that, in that race as well. Yeah. So one thing that I want to highlight about Grant's race was he only had a pace. He only had pacers through two K. He literally ran like a seven fifty last three K by himself. <sighs> and the dude was just clicking off like 62s. Like it was clockwork and then closed in, I believe a 58. But what makes that more impressive is just how close to the to the world record that is. The world record, I think, is 1249. And when Woody ran that American record, he was tagging along Joe Klecker. And he outkicked the hell out of Joe Klecker with 150 to go. He did not take the lead until 150 to go when Woody set the record. He just tagged along to Joe, who was also trying to get that American record, clicking off splits. Grant did it like solely by himself yeah. for the last 3K. Yeah. 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 He is, he's in good form. I mean, he, he did say that he is foregoing, uh, world indoors, obviously, uh, yeah. to focus on the, on the 10, which I understand, um, the 10 K. Cause I mean, there's just not, there's not a ton of fast 10 Ks in this country really. Um, until i don't know till till usa's i mean I, yeah there's there's no sub 27 10ks in the us yeah so there's no way you know, to get the standard 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I listen to his podcast on um, on Let's Run, and he's very he's very logical about stuff. He's like, you know, it's right here in the U.S. Uh, you know, I, uh, the fast ten Ks, you still get you got to travel to Europe, you know, and and get yeah. used to the time zone. So he's very practical about his buildup. So I, I, I get I get what he's saying in terms in terms of choosing to do the tens. So that that does make sense, especially with the standard being twenty twenty seven flat. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just like so fast. Yeah, that's a like I don't know that there's races outside of like the Ethiopian trials that or the Kenyan trials that go sub twenty seven. No, no. Or like Prefontaine used to be the place to do it, but that's so close to the U.S. champs, and it's like, all right, either you do a cross country season, an indoor season, and then cap off with the ten k, or you have to get it sometime in like May, and mm. it's probably going to be something that has to be set up to be perfect. So it's like, all right. Why don't I just use my base training and my winter fitness to get me the standard down cycle for a look for like a month and then get back after it. So you can go through August. And I'm, that makes sense. I'm surprised that like, you know, up there in Hayward, they don't turn on the light machine, get some pacers, you know, flying some pacers and, you know, just put some together on a nice evening. You know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's more to it than that, but, um, that just see- the weather just, the oh, just the predictability of the weather. That's why they have it in San so Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like the weather's perfect. Yeah, the weather's perfect and it's predictable and it's going to be, it's not going to be humid. Um, it's going to be nice weather. So that does make sense. So, you know, his, 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 his buildup is, is fine. Um, yeah. all right. So we got a good, we got a good update in the news there. Um, so for the next segment of the episode, we're going to get into our favorite workouts. Uh, we're going to talk yeah. about, um, the periodization of training, what, what workouts we like to do and when, um, and build in some rationale of why we do these certain workouts and, um, kind of give some context to, you know, if we're doing a marathon buildup, if we're doing track, if we're kind of doing your classic fall, um, winter, maybe indoor road racing, and then maybe going into spring track and field outdoor, um, we'll give you some context there. Um, the typical, the typical um, format that we follow, the Aggies, the Joe Rubio group, is fall. We typically peak for club nationals in early December. Um, but just because we're peaking in the fall, it, it's kind of a macro cycle. So you can have like a mini peak. You can hit some good workouts going into your, your peak race on December 11th. But you're not necessarily like absolutely emptying the well to get there. You're still building largely base to get into, um, you know, and, and we don't typically take time off after club Nats. We'll just keep, we'll have a week of easy running. And then usually uh, seven days after club Nats, we'll get back on it with a workout, like a bridge type workout. And then we'll get through the winter and we'll either do, some of us will do like, a um, either like Houston. Um, I've done Mesa, the Mesa, um, half marathon. Um, some people do indoor marks done indoor. And then we get into kind of the spring outdoor season. Mark, do you have any initial thoughts? Yeah. So essentially what we do is a lot of it, it's, it, it's what, it's what most teams do. We're not going all in on club cross the way that you would for like an NCAA title okay. or the way it's like, you know, you start doing an 80, a 90% week, then an 80% week. And then you're cutting everything just to try to feel special for that day. For us, we'll definitely back down for club cross. We'll do a couple event specific workouts to make sure that we have a good day and hit our goals there. 
but a lot of it usually lies on our passion project type of race, which usually comes in January is something that we normally do. So like Phil mentioned, a lot of us are doing Houston half marathon, Mesa half marathon. People are hitting indoor. People usually have something on the calendar in, in uh, January, February to where you can use that fall fitness and all that base training. It's kind of peak for a race before you start revamping for that for the outdoor season or for marathon season or whatever it is that you're doing in the spring spring and summer yeah and um you know and this isn't you know we aren't the only people who do this like i yeah. um like in in 2022 uh, we had club nats in san francisco cole halker was out there um yeah, and then the cole, yeah he won he won it he won it he, he he blew everyone um out of the water and then he also ran this past year um u.s cross country and you know he had a tough day out there i mean he, he ran he got 12th place yeah. Um, but what I appreciate about Cole is that he put himself out there and he did it right. He, he maybe knew yeah. that he wasn't in the best cross country shape, but he did it. Um, Cooper won uh, cross country, us cross country. Um, so, and a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about in the early part of the show with the recap of the indoor Josh Kerr going to the two mile grant Fisher dropping down. Um, so like Mark said, passion project sort of stuff. Um, I have to imagine something like indoor Milrose games, American records, a solid passion project for someone like Grant Fisher, um, Cole, Cole Hawker moving up to, uh, the, the two mile also getting the American record behind, uh, Fisher and then Yared, uh, going to worlds in, in the three K. So you can still have these, these micro cycles where you're, uh, or macro cycles, whatever you want to call them, where you're. Uh, pursuing these higher level events, but you're still, you're still like, you know, not draining, not draining the uh, well, you still have some, you know, some leftover. And <clears throat> yeah. So uh, yeah, let's, let's dive into the base phase. So for us, yeah. base phase is usually um, starting in the fall. We usually start in August and base phase will go through about like December through January until we start doing some event specific stuff. So, and then we usually down cycle after our big patch and project race mm -hmm. and start base phase again, probably around like February, March. So let's, what, what are your, what are a couple of your favorite workouts, Phil? My favorite workouts in the base phase. Um, one of my top favorite workouts that I do maybe up to 60% of the Wednesdays <laughs> in the summer and the fall um is uh just a fart like minute on minute off um you know 10 12 15 usually sometimes i'll do 20 um another one i like to do is um you know a, a ladder this one's kind of more of a summer workout um five minutes four minutes three minutes two minutes one minute and then you go back up i like to do that in the hills with like i wouldn't take five minutes on five minutes off i'd probably go like three minutes off because it's like it becomes a you know it's not a super intense workout you're out there for a while you're out there for a while <laughs> yeah. um i i like hill reps i like hill grass hill reps um you know those are those are fun and i like i like tempos um augmented tempos so mile reps at at like tempo or threshold pace with shorter rest so doing you know up to eight of those um and actually that's, that's a version of tempo that I did in high school. I would do 1600 meters on the track. Cause my track wasn't, I, I didn't have any trails near my high school. So we did a lot of track work in cross country and in track. 
Um, so I would do 1600 meters short recovery. So fart licks, minute on, minute off, hills, and then mile tempo stuff is probably my go-to in the base phase. What about you? Yeah, for me, I'm a, I'm a big tempo threshold kind of person in the base phase. I hate hills. Um, normally we, Joe Rubio is huge on hills. So we do a lot of that, that, uh, uh, three by three by, uh, 300 hills mm -hmm. to where you're doing about like 60 second reps, 70 second reps, the form XC 5k, but I hate those. So those are X'd off of my list of, yeah. uh, but I understand they're necessary evil. Um, for me, I like the more apples to apples. You kind of see where you're at year over year. And it's also, you feel fit as hell when you do them is, uh, I like the four the four three one workout mm -hmm. that Joe has us do just because it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of play because it breaks it up in terms of the monotony of just doing marathon pace or just doing threshold pace. So usually what we do is four miles at marathon pace. So for me, that's about five fifteen to five twenty in the base phase. Then we'll do three miles at threshold, which in base is five flats to five ten, and then we get that one on the track. <laughs> where Joe has us go from the roads to the track and we can rip it when I start getting fit. And when I know I'm getting into like rare form mm -hmm. sub 440 or right around 440 and usually early in the base phase, I'm right around 450 pace. And a lot of it is keeping that heart rate under control. A lot of it is keeping, keeping the momentum going and just breaking it up a little bit, getting faster, giving your ego a little bit of a stroke there. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I like about that workout is it, it's, it's a lot of fun, but you're also getting in eight miles of work. Another one I love, it's a staple, two by four mile. I know it's crazy to say because I remember seeing a Meb workout where he did three by three K. I mean, three by five K. And I was like, that can never be me when I was in uh, high school. And now it's like two by four miles, one of my favorite workouts. And normally it's first four miles at marathon pace. And the command that I absolutely love <laughs> that Joe gives us is just faster. Mm -hmm. And he does that a lot. Joe will never really give us specific paces whenever we get prescribed workouts, that can be a whole episode itself. And it's us deciphering what we think he means because like we even have one of the, uh, one of Phil's old lane one blogs back from the pandemic era where yes, yeah, Joe, what the workout is. He's like, well, we're looking at about five by mile at a, at a good pace and then two by mile at a faster pace. And that's how Joe describes workout. So it was first four mile marathon pace, second four mile faster. And when you start getting really fit, you'll see that first four mile be about 510, 505. And then that second one, we've even had some like rare days where we start, where we get down to like 1930 for four mm -hmm. miles, or we start getting down into um, like 450 average for that second four mile. That's when you, when you rip that, you're like, all right, we ready to race. Like yeah. someone signed this man up for a race. Yeah, no, that's that that is a that's a great workout. And you know, in the in the base phase, if it's like true base, it's it's yeah. really keeping that first four mile in check, I think yeah. is is important because you know it, you don't want it to go sideways. You don't want a positive split that you know, you don't want yeah. the second one to be slower. Or um, you don't want to be you don't want to be racing that second four mile either. You, you don't want to be racing that second four mile or so I think if it's like a true sort of like like a uh, September style workout. It's like, yeah, let's, you know, Hey, if we're running five eighteens, let's not cry about it. Yeah. Um, to start out. Um, but yeah, you know, the, I have been on some of those workouts where it's, you know, one of us, if it's you, if it's me, if it's Sean, if it's Sealess, somebody's, you know, got a wild hair and they want to go out there and run, you know, 
1931. It's happened. Yeah. Um, competition phase. Um, so this is going to be roughly in our schedule. Um, uh, October, November for cross country in the fall. And then in spring, like March, May, March to May, kind of depending on what you're doing. Uh, my go-to I, I, in cross country, I love grass thousands. Um, I just think they build a ton of strength and they, 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 they help you adapt to that surface. Um, and then for the track, I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, like traditional when it comes to track workouts, you know, I, I, I I like the fancy stuff, which we'll get to in a little bit, but, um, you know, just a solid, like five times four sets of 400 at like 70, 72, start out 72, work your way down. Maybe you get down to 68 by the end. Um, and then, you know, one of my favorites is the big Mac, right? It's the, um, it's a mile at 10 K like what? Four minutes rest, three minutes rest. Yeah. Three minutes or no, it's two minutes rest between everything. Yeah. So two minutes rest. So mile, a mile at uh 10 K and then a three mile tempo threshold and then another mile at 10 K and then another three mile threshold and then another, another mile at 10 K pace. And this is, you know, this is a big confidence booster, like a mid season confidence booster. Um, I forget we did it this year. I don't remember if it was before or after the San Jose half. Um, but it was like, it was, it was one of those, like maybe like 12 day style workouts. I mean, it was a little farther out than that, maybe 14 days. Um, but, um, cause that's, that's pretty beefy. You need some time to recover from that. Um, but that's a big confidence booster, especially if you can hit that second threshold, just right on pace or maybe a little bit under, maybe like, you know, five minute pace, maybe four fifty five pace. And then, um, you know, nail a four forty or four thirty six. So I think this year we ran like four twenty seven um, for no for no. I you know I ran four twenty seven getting dropped by C list running four twenty two or something like that. Yeah. Like, um, and then Sean running like four thirty eight was like you know what are you guys doing? <laughs> so, um, I no Sean was like four thirty five I think. Um, but you know, we ran entirely too fast in that last one, which I wrote, I, I wrote in my notes, like it can be a confidence booster, but it's also like, you have to be careful with what you do in that workout. If you wanted to achieve the actual goal of what you're trying to achieve, um, which is, you know, building momentum and it's not quite your peak workout. What about you? Yeah. So the big Mac is actually on mine too. So yeah. reason, the reason that we call it the big Mac, pretty self-explanatory one mile, three mile, one mile, three mile, one mile. So, you know, you got the bread and then you got the meat in there. So that's on there for me too, just because I feel like that one has a lot of lore. I remember there was one time in the fall where we all raced except for Silas and Silas went out and ran, I believe he went like 15 or first mile. He went like four fifty, Then he did three miles in like fifteen ten, And then he did a one mile in four forty, and then a three mile in, um, 1450 and then he did a one mile in 432 and i watched him do that because i was doing a pre-meet uh for long beach half while he was or maybe not long beach half it was a different race um maybe like garen and he was doing that by himself and i was like oh shoot that was a crazy workout so that gave me confidence because i was like i i can run that too i train with this guy but <laughs> 
then maybe a couple months roll by or maybe like a month or two roll by. And this was uh, right before my breakout track season where um, I PB'd every time I stepped on track. And I remember we're lining up and Joe goes, oh, yep. by the way, these are the times Sealers hit in this workout and gave us that. And so we thought we were going to chill. We thought we were going to coast it. Like, you know, go marathon pace, you know, go threshold pace, go true 10K pace. He told us these are the times Sealers beat ran. And I was like, so are you telling us to beat that? And he goes, I'm telling you to go after it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, th and this is coming from Joe, who, who, like you just said, rarely gives us any feedback. So the fact, so that was right before the workout, he drops this on us yeah. and it was like, it's on like Donkey Kong. Yeah. And we wound up um, something ridiculous on that. We started 450, then we went 15 flat, and then we went uh, 438, and then we went, uh, I want to say like 1440 on the second three mile. And then on the last mile, I ran a 427. I think you're about 431. Yeah, that sounds right. That's yeah. And that was, that, that was right before my breakout track season too. So that was like, all right, I'm, I'm confident. I just ran a 427 at the end of that feeling like I was cruising. Yeah. And that's, that's what, you know, th those, those workouts are big confidence boosters because a now, you know, now that I'm getting a little older in age, when you can safely attend, complete those workouts without any injuries and B you're not feeling like you ran a world record 10 K you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm um, not to spend too much time on, on this particular phase, but my other favorite workout too is one that we do regularly or not regularly. We do it maybe um, like two times during each, each uh, competition phases four by four by mile, three by 800, two by 400. And that one is all over the place in terms of you get a lot of confidence because you cannot BS this workout. No, you, you have to be fit to hit it. And the four miles, the four by mile, um, best I've ever done is I think we averaged about like four thirty eight for four by mile. Was that a, that was a couple, that was 2022. That was a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we averaged about four thirty eight for each mile. And then the eight hundreds, I ran two thirteen, two twelve, two eleven. And then in the 400s, I ran 59, 58. Yeah, I remember that. I was in on that workout. And it was, yeah, it was you, Silas, Sean, and me. And I was definitely the the uh, the odd man out there. And that was probably the one of the best workouts I've ever had in my life, honestly. Like, I, I wasn't that far behind in the miles or the 800s. Yeah. You know, I just don't have the, you know, I don't have 26-year-old speed anymore. So... I, I, I got dropped in the forest, but I, that was, that was that workout I think is top five efforts that I've had in, in my career, just like with how, because we did everything pretty much 440 and under, right. For the miles. Yeah. We're and about then, like 438 average. I think our last one was 434. Yeah. 434. And then we had to do the, and then the, those 800s are, they were just like, what, 212. What were you saying? Yeah. I went um, 212 to, or 213, 212 to 11. Yeah. That was a very solid workout. And again, not, not fun if you're not in the right conditioning for that. Right. You, you know, yeah. if you're, or if you're not doing the right paces, you know, if you're, you have to really be, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, yeah, that's a good workout. Yeah. All right. Let's head over to the peak phase now. Peak workout. So you want to kick us off with some Aggie two miles, explain them a little bit. Yeah, let's kick it off with the Aggie two miles. So Aggie two miles is a continuous 3,200 meters, right? Um, the first 1,600 meters of that 32 is at 10K pace. 
Um, and then after you finish the 1600, you roll right into an 80% um, effort. So we use the term 80% a lot in our group. And it's, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like, I don't know, how would you describe 80% pace, Mark? So, You're good so at this. Right. Scientifically, 80% pace is 80% of your, your maximum heart rate okay. 80% of your maximum 5k pace. So if you want to put into a, into a number, most of the time it's about um, you take your 5k time and then, or your 5k split. So if you run 4:30 per mile in the 5k, you add a minute to it. Okay. So it's 5:30 pace. Yeah. Yeah. 5:30 pace. Um, so you, and, and that, so that's, that's, that's not, that's not a recovery. That's not a jog. And then, so 800 meters of that eight, uh, 80%, and then you go straight into an 800 at 5k pace. Um, and we've done this workout on the grass field, the lower grass field, um, at Cal Poly, which is, which is, which is pretty thick grass and it's kind of ruddy. It's pretty challenging terrain. We've done it on the turf. So like nice, uh, all weather, like, um, artificial turf. And then we've done it on track too. And that, that's a, that is a great workout. I actually like it more as a cross country workout than a track and field workout, but yeah. it has both applications. Um, so that is, that is one of my favorite. Um, I would like to do that one, you know, in a, in, uh, you know, as your two weeks out, your 14 day workout for club nets. Um, and then for track and field, one of my favorite workouts ever is the, um, the 6570 alternating, um, 1600. So you do a continuous 1600 meters, four laps. Lap one is 65, lap two is 70, lap three is 65, and lap four is 70. Um, and you do that for number one, rep one and three, and rep two and four, you you you, you invert it. You go 70, 65. Um, and I that's the workout that I did when I, um, when I ran 1339 at the uh, Peyton Jordan invite in 2011. So I'm dating myself here, but that was my PR in the 5K. 1339. I did this workout that I just, uh, that I just, uh, read to you, um, 10 days before that, 12 days before that. And I just, you know, you walk off the track. I was, you know, you're spiked up, ready to go and you're just full of confidence. Right. Um, so that's my track and field. And then for the marathon, uh, the good old fashioned 18 mile, uh, tempo, 18, 18 miles at marathon pace. Uh, you're going to want to do that 21 days out three, um, um, so you're not going to want to do that, you know, 10 days, you're going to want a solid three weeks. Um, and you know, you, when I, you know, when I was training for Houston, I hit that right at my goal pace and I felt great, ready to go. I think peak season, the key, the key here about peak season workouts is it really got to give you confidence, right? You don't yeah. want to, you, you don't want to do something where you used, Oh, that was round one of the 15. Actually, you did that in practice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want something. So I know we have these like halo workouts, but I would almost contend you want to do something that is definitely challenging, but, yeah. but, but, but a hundred percent achievable. Yeah. You want it to almost be like a race simulation, right? A, a race simulation and you want it to be successful. I think success trumps pace. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you don't want, you don't want your mentals to be all fried 14 days before your Peyton Jordan or your, your, um, um, you know, uh, club Nats or your Houston. Right. Yeah. 
What about you? For me, I'm also in with you on the four by mile at 6570. That workout, that's how races go. Mm-hmm. Especially in the post collegiate game, it's rare to get into races that are right for you. It, unless if you're like a blue chip talent, or unless if you're one of those blue blood runners that are getting, you know, the Hayward lights. Because when you go into a lot of races, you're rarely running even pace. And that workout, every time I've done that, I've always felt, I've always run my best 5K yep. after that because I've always felt prepared. And when I ran my 5K PB, we ran a 64 point in there. And the idea of this workout is you're undulating the pace a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you do things like that, when you are in a race and let's say your goal time is 66, a lot of times you can't handle that transition in pace, but when you're actually actively working on it as you should, as an athlete, like you want to work for what you're going to see in the game, what you're going to see in the race and doing that workout is always giving me confidence. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you wind up, um, you wind up running a 430 mile undulating the pace back and forth and um there's one year where i did it and uh i think my last one i went like 64 68 then or no it was the other way it was 68 64 69 63 and at the end of it i'm not going to do the quick math but i think it was about like 425 something like that and you walk away doing that feeling good and it's like all right i'm ready to race (laughs) and about like three weeks later i ran my pb yeah, I, I think that workout's just like it's like you said, it 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 prepares you well, especially for you know, you put it so well, unless you're the blue chip like Hayward primetime fully paced, if you're in the B C D heat of a section, yeah, you might have a pacer up front, but if you're mid pack, you're a you're yo yoing, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're you passing might get, people. You're passing people, you're getting shoved out to lane three, even though they say it's paced, it's like you know, unless you're right behind the pacer and they know what they're doing, you know, you really need to have some, you know, uh, experience like, you know, undulating and running a 64, then slamming on the brakes to a 70 and then speeding up again. Cause everyone got nervous and <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, another workout I do like this one's a little more 1500 specific. Um, it is hard 800 five minute rest three by 400 and then three by 300 all at goal 1500 base so last time i did this unfortunately week of the race i get i had to get on antibiotics for like a sinus mm-hmm. infection so i felt terrible the week of the race I felt flat unfortunately it was it was a relatively rough week so ended up running a 406 mile but that workout was um 10 days out i wound up going 158 mm-hmm. um 60 59 58 and then 44 44 44 and yeah. in that moment in my head i was it's like I, I, break, I was like i think i can break four in the mile right now and got to my got to my race and we go out we came through 60 through the 400 and i was like okay i feel absolutely terrible second lap we came through uh 201 through um what is it 8 807 or 809 mm-hmm. and i was like holy crap i might be able to do this and our field ended up running a 64 third mm. lap. And then I closed in a 60, got ran a 406, but off antibiotics, <laughs> off of feeling super crappy. So I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, like, that's not bad. Yeah, not a bad result, but that workout, I liked it a lot. That it made me feel fit. It gave me a lot of confidence in myself. 
I really wish I had a better race to report being like, I did that workout. And then guess what? I came back and ran like 401 or I came back and ran 359. Like that would have been pretty damn cool. But that was one of my, one of my more favorite workouts. I mean, you know, the fact that you, you know, you on antibiotics feeling sick, you know, only, yeah. only, only that still, you were able to run only about four or five seconds slower than what your fitness would say is, it's still a, a really good race running, running, yeah. running while recovering from illness is not fun or easy. Yeah. I would have liked to say too, if we kept our foot on the gas on that third lap, right. Had we had the front of the group kept pushing. Cause I was in about third position. Had we kept pushing, I think we could have ran at least like four or two that day. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Where was that again? That was at sound running. Oh, Must have miles. Shout out Craig. <laughs> Shout out Craig again. That was his his race. Oh, the mustache mile. Nice. Yeah. So that was a few of our uh, favorite workouts. I think that's a good episode. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think we're at. Yeah, I think that was that was super solid. We we went through a lot of news. We went through a bit of personal updates. We went through some training. I think that's that's a successful day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Again, thanks everybody for listening. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe uh, to the Lane One Talk Show on all of our socials, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Instagram. All right. Peace.